Greetings in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord. It is a blessing to see all of you here and uh, a welcome to our guests and our regular attendees. Thankful to see all of you. Also grateful for the things that we have uh, heard so far. I think the uh, devotional will tie very well into the things that I am pondering here this morning. As uh, those of you who are local here know, I have been preaching through the gifts of this, or the fruit of the Spirit, rather. And uh, I've been taking them one at a time. They're in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But I've been working from the bottom to the top. So we are actually getting toward the top end of that. Uh, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Maybe I'll try this. Who can tell me which one I'm ready for today? That's right. Joy. Yes, two of you spoke it at the same time. Yes, so today we have the the privilege of looking at the subject of joy. An interesting subject. At least I found it so in studying it. Um, hope to communicate some of that to you here this morning. I've titled the message, The Gift of Joy. I uh, I changed the title several times. At one point, I I started with the title "The Gift of Joy," and then I decided to change it to "The Fruit of Joy," since we are talking about the fruit of the spirit. But as I continued to develop the message, I decided to change it back to "The Gift of Joy." Um, I hope to be able to convey the thought that joy is, in fact, a gift, a much-treasured gift. Why don't we just bow our heads for a moment and we'll ask the Lord's blessing on our time together here. Father, again, in Jesus' name, we come to you thankful Thankful for this assembly, thankful for the freedom that we have to gather as believers to exhort each other, to comfort each other, to build each other up in our most holy faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all who are present here today. You know 
the journey that each one of us is on. You know the joys and sorrows, the challenges and blessings. You know it all, and today I simply ask, Father, that by your Spirit you would minister something of truth, something of encouragement, something of of your word to each heart, that you, in understanding those needs, could uh, bless and uh, meet the meet a need here today in each of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the need uh, that you've met in my life just in the preparation of this message and encouraging my heart in this subject. Thank you. Now, as I share the meditations of my heart, I ask again for your Holy Spirit to empower to empower me to speak and to empower the word that it might bring forth its intended purpose, Lord. So we commit this time to you, Father, and ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, the gift of joy. Maybe first off, we can just look at uh, the definition of joy for a bit. Um, How do you describe joy? How do you put a definition to it? The dictionaries give us some ideas, and I'll read a few of those. A feeling of great pleasure or happiness that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. I think that's a fairly accurate uh, definition. A feeling of great pleasure or happiness that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. Another definition, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And, of course, the expression or exhibition of such emotion, which might be rejoice when we express that joy, we might tie Rejoice in a little bit in the message as well, since it is the expression of joy. A state of happiness, a source or cause of delight. And like I said, there is joy. You know, there's that whole aspect of joy, and then there's the whole aspect of rejoicing, which is basically the expression of the joy. That is in our hearts and lives. So the gift of joy. We'll uh, see what we can learn. We, we recognize that it is a fruit of the Spirit. As Galatians 5.22 tells us, it is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Romans 14.17, Paul says this, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there it's listed as a key ingredient in the kingdom of God. 
And then Romans 15:13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And there we again have joy listed as one of the one of the desirable qualities of the believer. Joy is listed that way. In, it, is a, it is listed as a desirable quality of uh, the believer. I'd like to raise a few questions. How important is joy in our lives? When we look at the fruits of the Spirit, joy is, you know, if we would, uh, uh, you know, we may, we'd make a pie graph. And uh, we'd put a sliver for each fruit. Joy is one of those pieces of the pie. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So how important is that particular piece in our lives? You know, we have these eight or nine or ten, I didn't even count them, but we'd have all these slivers of the pie. How important is that particular piece in our lives? Is it as important as... This as love or peace or goodness or long suffering or faith, you know, those other fruits of the spirit is joy as important as those. You know, the the fruit of the spirit, when we look at uh, some of those different ones, like long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, um, meekness, faith. You know, many of those fruits when those qualities in are in my life they're prim- they primarily bless those around me. Uh, their primary, their primary uh, uh, effect is a blessing to those around me. Secondarily, it's a blessing to me personally. You know, if I'm a long-suffering person, that is a blessing to you, right? I'm patient. Uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm filled with uh, there's goodness and gentleness in my life. That is a blessing to you. It, it secondarily it is a blessing to me, but primarily it's a blessing to you. First off, that fruit. But joy, joy as I see it and understand it is primarily a blessing to me, and secondarily a blessing to you. Does that make sense? You follow that thinking? Since joy is primarily, first off, it's bene- it, it benefits me first off, and then secondarily, you get to uh, be blessed by the overflow of that joy and what it does in my life. Since it is primarily blessed, uh, blesses me, and since we strongly believe that being focused, uh, self-focused is not a good thing per se, does that mean that joy is somehow a lesser fruit? 
Is it less important in the piece of the pie? Just jogging your thinking a little bit. After all, you know, you think about goodness, you think about gentleness, you think about being long-suffering, patient. Those are virtues that uh, we really appreciate when our brothers have those virtues because it's, it's much easier to relate. And joy, as I said, is primarily, first off, it is a benefit and a blessing to me and then secondarily to you. Well, I think I, I, I see, I, I noticed some heads, uh, Disagreeing with the concept that it's less important, which basically means you're saying it is as important. And I think we'll be convinced of that when we're done. Um, We'd like to answer some of those questions that we raised here. So let's first of all here now, let's take a look at uh, Christ's perspective of the gift of joy. And see what he had to say about it. So turn in your uh, Bibles to the Gospel of John. It's where we find Jesus saying some things about it. And the first uh, verse I'm going to read is John 15:11. We will likely come back to this uh, context later and look at it in more detail, but. For the moment, I'm just going to read verse 11. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So there. um, It's pretty hard to misunderstand that verse, isn't it? My joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Let's go on down to chapter 16 and uh, pick up in verse 20. And we'll just read a little more context here. Uh, Probably reading through verse 24 at least. Yeah, I think we'll read verse 20 through 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Maybe I should actually pick up in 20 so we get a better context. Now, Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto him, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while and ye shall not see me and again a little while and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you. That ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall turn to turn into joy. <clears throat> a woman, when she is in travail with, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. So, taking from that, joy is quite important. No man taketh from you. Reading on. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. So, uh, and there he speaks about that your joy may be full. And in the previous verse, in chapter 15, verse 11, that your joy might be full. So, I don't have a cup up here, but uh, if I did, I would illustrate uh, a cup that is full versus a cup that is not full. Not only did Jesus, uh, not only as we as we look at the subject of, of joy as in our lives as Jesus taught it, not only did he say that, uh, you know, it'd really be good if you had a little joy in your life. He want he 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 wants that that our cup to be full of joy, not just a little bit, not half full, not three quarters, but full. And uh, what does that mean? You know, I guess we can let our minds uh, run on that a bit and think about that. But we know that it is important. And uh, John, the apostle John, in First John one four uh, says this: "And these things write we unto you, that your joy." may be full. So there we have it again, that your joy may be full. So as we look at Christ's perspective of joy, it's not a secondary issue, is it? It's an important one. It's, it's right up there with all the other uh, fruits of the Spirit. And as we said earlier, it is not a lesser fruit. It is not of less importance. And I'd like to maybe ask the question, why is it so important? Why is joy so important? Remember how Jesus said uh, that my joy might remain in you. And there's another verse. Yes, it's here in 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 John 17. Uh, Jesus, and this is his prayer, and he says it this way: "And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves." So that is his prayer to the Father. That is his heart for you and I. That. They that we might have his joy fulfilled in us. So it's, it's not a secondary issue at all. It is actually a primary issue, uh, with Jesus. Uh, joy in our lives. Why is it so important? I hope to, uh, by the time we're done, have answered that question. Why is it so important? And maybe I can just say this as a as a as a as a quick short answer. Why is it so important? Because it is his joy in us. And if it is missing, there is something of him missing in our lives. That's why it's so important. It is his joy in us. And when it is missing, there is something of him missing 
in our lives. That's why we can't leave that sliver out of the pie. That's why we can't uh, somehow put it at a lesser value. Because it is his joy in us. It is part of him in us. Uh, We'll continue to try to develop these thoughts as we go. So now, um, I'd like to ask this question. How can joy be a regular part of my experience? We're we're convinced that it should be. Uh, Just... Just quoting a couple of verses here again, Romans 15:13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And then 1 Peter 1, 8. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though ye see, though ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. These two verses that we read both have joy in their subject matter. But they also have something else in their subject matter that I believe is linked to the joy. Both of these verses speak about believing. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Is believing and joy, are they connected? First Peter, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full glory. The two seem to be tied together, of uh, joy and believing. So the true, the source of true joy is God and the key that unlocks the flow of joy is believing. The source of true joy is God. Now, I'd like to, uh, like to try and illustrate this just a little bit. You know, we all, uh, as we think about joy and its reality in our lives, I think all of us can easily think to think about the the things that um, life uh, brings our way that leave us. Um, leave us without any joy. <laughs> um, so I'd like to look at, um, I'd like to try to develop that thought a bit. So, First of all, I'd like to put uh, put this little uh, one letter here. 
It's the letter I. So, joy is supposed to be an integral part of, of I, you, woven in your life. A reality that is present to some degree. Uh, probably ebbs and flows a bit. We recognize that. Uh, but, are there times when, when I or you put yourself in this I, are there times when you think about your own personal limitations, your weaknesses, your flat spots, your lack of giftings, all the things that you don't do very well? Do you ever find yourself uh, thinking about those things? And kind of finding yourself to not have any joy as you reflect on all those unpositive character qualities. <laughs> And you find yourself lacking joy. Maybe this would be a time to, um, to, to give recognition to the fact that as individuals we are all different. And there are some of us who are naturally more upbeat, positive, joyful if you will. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here today. While that is a factor in our lives, and there are others of us who are more pessimistic, see the darker side of life, the downsides, and focus on them quicker. And that's a reality. Those are realities. We're not uh, not uh, excusing any of that or, or just recognizing it. But thinking about when we when we find ourselves in that situation where, for whatever reason, we're not experiencing much joy, if any. Maybe overwhelmed a bit by our own limitations and our own weaknesses and our own inabilities. Feeling overwhelmed by it. And uh, just not experiencing any joy in the middle of that. Well, in that situation... I would like to simply remind you that life Life is much bigger than I. You know, we have our limitations. We have our weaknesses. We have our flat spots. We have our shortcomings. But life is much bigger than I. It doesn't all depend on I. <laughs> 
thankfully. And every one of you can put yourself in there as that I. It doesn't all depend on you, on I. There are others whose giftings will complement yours and mine. Strengths, others' strengths who will offset and complement your weaknesses and my weaknesses. Others whose contributions in our lives will greatly enhance our experience. So life is much bigger than I. However, life can also have quite some complications, right? Life has disappointments. Life has difficulties. Life has pain. Life is unpredictable. It's uncertain. It leaves us disappointed. People let us down. People disappoint us. People might even hurt us. And that's life, right? That's life. My friend Ray would have never chose a four-year journey with a daughter in cancer. But that was life. You have your story. We all have our story, perhaps, of life and its complexities and its difficulties. How can joy be a regular part of my experience when I have limitations, flat spots, weaknesses, habits that irritate others, and life, which is so much bigger than I, and answers to some of those deficiencies, yet life has its own set of complexities and difficulties and things we can't control and things that we can't change and pain in the journey and disappointments in the journey. How can I have joy woven in the fabric of my life on a regular basis when life is such a complex and unpredictable Situation. How God is bigger than life. Much, 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 much bigger than life. And one of the keys, I believe, as we noticed in those verses, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full glory. 
I believe this is the reality that if we can grasp it and are grasping it, that God is so much bigger than everything else. So much bigger. Many, 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 many times bigger than all of life's complexities. All of your personal quirks and qualms that follow you around. Life is so much bigger or God is so much bigger. And it's in that context that you and I can, as these verses say, believing is as we believe in God, we can have joy woven in the fabric of our lives, in the in the experience of our lives. Another uh, another thought that we'd like to unpack a little bit further, and that is at, uh, in John 15. There, I said we'd probably come back to this verse. Um, John 15, there, verse 11. Jesus says, "These these things I have." Have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full? The things that Jesus spoke, the teachings that he gave, he gave, and this is just one example here in John 15, the context is actually uh, Jesus being the true vine and we are the branches and that we are to abide in him and that we cannot bring forth fruit of ourselves, uh, and and so forth. And then he comes down to verse 11 and talks about the joy being in us and our joy being full. And he goes on in verse 12. Well, actually, in verse 10, he speaks about, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So, first off, like we said, recognizing that God is much bigger than life. That's one of the uh, keys to having joy as a regular part of my experience. The second one is to... The second one is, as we see it here in, in John 15, is this joy is found in a life of yielded obedience to his instruction. You know, Jesus uh, teaches us about uh, various subjects of the scriptures. And, and here he talks about the need to abide in him. He talks about the need to uh, keep his commandments. And I, you know, there's various things we could think about there. Uh, things like um, returning good when, for returning good for evil, uh, turning the other cheek. Um, just, you know, you can, you can let your mind think to the vast array of teachings that Jesus gave us. Those teachings that he gave us, he gave them with the express purpose that as we understand and walk in them, we will, we will experience this joy that he wants us to experience. And uh, so recognizing first off that God is bigger than life and life's complexities, and then secondly, responding with, a, with obedience to him, with a life that is yielded to him, and uh, 
the things that he teaches us about kingdom life. And in that context, we can have joy as a regular part of our experience. Amen? In that context, the gift of joy. So now I'd like to raise the question, is it okay if joy is missing in my life? And we may have alluded to that earlier, but I'd like to just look at it um, a bit more specifically. In other words, you know, I'm going along in life and I'm getting along. Kind of humdrum. No joy. No part, isn't a part, joy isn't a part of my experience. Is that okay? Is that an okay place to park and to live? I'd like to go to uh, Deuteronomy 28. And you can look at a couple of verses with me there. Now, the context here in Deuteronomy 28 was uh, the... the uh, the pronouncement of many blessings as they, if they obey God and walk in His, His ways and, and, and follow His commandments and teachings. But also the curses if they disobey God and walk, don't walk in His commandments and His teachings. And as He finishes up those curses, we have some very interesting verses in Deuteronomy 28. And I'm going to, we're going to pick up at verse 45 in Deuteronomy 28:45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed. And all those curses were listed in the previous uh, context of scripture. Just wrapping it up here. Until thou be destroyed, because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they, the they is the curses, the curses shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder and upon thy seed forever. Why? Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So when God finally boiled it down to one statement, uh, he boiled it down to this, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Um, is is it okay if joy is missing in my life? Not sure. <laughs> is it okay? Um, let's uh, look at, uh, well, here's a simple verse. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice evermore. And remember I said joy is... Joy is that which, yeah, it's that emotion that, that within us and rejoicing is the expression of it. 
of that joy. Uh, turn to Philippians. We'll get a New Testament context here. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, and we'll read verse 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, in these verses, basically, okay, let me quote this verse yet. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And that verse does not necessarily use the word joy or rejoicing, but it speaks of heartily, meaning giving the context of or the idea of... of uh, uh, whatever you're doing, do it with with your heart. With uh, it's almost like a, akin to joy. Do it with joyfulness. Do it with gladness. Uh, so these verses that we've looked at here, uh, they they speak of living your life in whatever that is, and whatever that means, and wherever you find yourself. Living, uh, living your life with joy. Not because you are such a great person. But because you serve such a great God. That's why joy should be a part of your experience. Not because you're such a great person, but because you serve such a great God. In the Old Testament there, so Israel had God's instruction, clear instruction on how to live. And if they would have followed it, they and when they followed it, they were a blessed people. And couldn't be compared with any other people in the earth. And when they didn't follow it, and God says the reason they didn't follow it is because they did, they their hearts. In other words, if they, if they saw their position before God and with joy of heart entered into that life of obedience, that life of walking with God, if they entered into it with joy of heart, it was a meaningful, purposeful life and they were a blessed people. If they didn't enter into it with a joyfulness of heart, it became a mundane duty and eventually fell off by the wayside and eventually they were walking far from God. And God points it back to the fact that they did not embrace with joy his plan for them. And so how does that calculate out to us? Is it also important for us to embrace with joy God's plan for us? Or is it okay to... to, to uh, Settle for something less. A mundane humdrum. I guess I have to. After all, the church said we should. Or 
Should we rise to the challenge and allow our hearts to rise to a place of joy and serving God with joy, turning the other cheek with joy, serving our brethren and sisters with joy as the, as, as the motivation that uh, is, is driving us? I think it's important. I think it's important that our hearts embrace the call that Christ has in our lives as believers, that our hearts embrace it with joy. If, we, if, if, if our posture of hearts slips away into duty and I have to and, and begrudgingly and whatever else we want to put in there, we're backsliding. We're, we're, we're losing the focus. Joy is a vital component to a healthy Christian life. I'd like to ask this question yet, and we'd like to try to wrap this up before too long. Is future joy, is future joy a suitable motivation to walk in obedience to the Lord? Is future joy a suitable motivation? In other words, right now, uh, we can see ahead and we know that if we handle this situation this way or we respond this way, the future is, it's going to, uh, we're going to experience joy because of how we handle this current situation and how it will come out. Is that a suitable motivation? To do right and and to live for God. Well, Hebrews chapter two or Hebrews chapter twelve verse two says this: Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Maybe I'll just go on and read a verse, two verses here in Corinthians. And we're just taking verses. Uh, they're not really, we're not really uh, fully looking at them in their context. But uh, here in Corinthians 9, chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. For as, as it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it, and actually I'm reading in the ESV, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for the oxen that the Lord is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sakes? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. So we're talking about um, doing something now with the motivation that in the future it's going to result in a blessing. It's going to result in joy in my experience. Is that an okay motivation? Is that an okay reason? Well, I think we... We uh, simply have to accept that it is, in fact, an okay motivation because the scripture tells us that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he, he knew and understood what's on the other side of the cross. And it was a motivation for him to follow through and do what needed to be done in a tough, in a tough moment. You know, think about it. Most of what we do in life is with the hope of some future benefit. 
you know, whether it's for ourselves or for others. Most of what we do is for, is, has a hope for some future benefit, some future blessing, someone, someone, uh, yeah, just what the, the example of scripture was given there about planting. You know, the, the farmers, every spring they plant their fields with hope of a harvest, you know, and then comes the harvest and there's rejoicing because the, the uh, silos and the grain bins didn't hold quite all the crop because it was a bumper yield. There's rejoicing. So there was a there was a uh, there was a seeding and, and a tilling of the land and whatever else all went into it with the motivation that in the end I'm going to have joy in the result. That's not a bad motivation to plow, by the way, <laughs> or be a farmer or whatever else you do. We plant our gardens that way, don't we? We minister to to uh, to people that way, don't we? With a we we pour out our lives and to others with that hope that there will be joy in the future, that there will be uh, results of the word being ministered and and so forth, and that there will be joy in the future. You know, think about it even in light of, uh, in the context of raising your family. The Apostle John in Third John's 1 verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Um, you know, in the middle of those years of nurturing little ones around you, it can feel quite overwhelming and quite uh, daunting at times perhaps but think about the joy and let that joy motivate you that as you pour out your life and your efforts and your energy and you give it your best that the potential that you will have much joy in the future as you see your children grow up and uh, as John says, walk in truth, walk in the truth. So let that joy, that potential of future joy be a motivation today to give it your all, give it your best, pour out your life, nurture them. Those days will quickly pass and you'll look back on them. As we do <laughs> in many ways. So part of the motivation is that there may be joy in the future. The gift of joy. Is joy a gift? Is it something that we all value, we desire to be a part of our lives? You know... It's, I'll use this illustration. It's a little bit like the icing on the cake, isn't it? You know, it just brings spice to life. Just joy. And it's not something, it's not, a, like I said, it's not a secondary issue. It's not something to be uh, lethargic about. It's, 
the will of of the Lord that it would be a it would be woven in the fabric of our lives. And we recognize, we fully recognize there are moments in life where we don't feel much joy for whatever reason. Doesn't mean we should be there, but we find ourselves there, right? If we are honest with life, we have those moments. But I would wish for all of you to have a good, healthy portion of joy woven through the fabric of your life. Through the joys, through the sorrows, through the difficult times, that there would be joy. And it is it is a gift from God to us, Christ's joy in us. Uh, we have... We have some responsibility in, in uh, again, it's, we can't just sit around and wait for God to pour it into our hearts. We have to keep exercising our lives in faith and obedience and in that context of exercising our walk with God and keeping our lives up to date with God. In that context, joy is a vital part of our experience and should be. And so I... I want to leave us with encouragement um, that uh, not comparing ourselves among ourselves, not comparing our personalities because uh, you're not a bubbly kind of person, therefore you don't have joy. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that just that deep-seated gratitude in our hearts, that overflowing to God and His goodness and His grace in our lives and and uh, living with that uh, with that posture of heart as we live life, living it joyfully. Um, you know, isn't it a little bit like this? So, if you give your child a um, an instruction, take out the garbage, and they go grumbling out the door with the garbage pail. I always have to do this. and oh, Why couldn't my brother do it, you know? That doesn't make you feel very good, does it? But if they, oh, I get to take out the garbage. I'm so glad I can do this for mom. You know, how about if you live your Christian life? Well, I, I am a lady and I can't preach in the church, but I sure wish I could. But God says I can't. That's kind of off the wall. <laughs> but you get the idea. I'm a sister in the church and I get to serve the other sisters and, and bless them after the service. And, you know, see the difference? Anyway, enough said. Let's kneel together if you're able and we'll pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you again for this assembly for the freedom our country gives us that we can assemble and worship. Thank you for all that, again, that are present and, again, ask a blessing on each of our lives. And, Father, I pray, again, help us, help us to understand subjects like this. The, the in, integral part of joy in our experience and how it, it uh, is such a key in in our spiritual health. 
Open that up to our hearts, Father. And uh, pray that it could develop, if it isn't already, that it could develop into a very healthy uh, place in our experience. Lord, we know that life is not all... uh, It's not all uh, uh, easy. It's not all roses. It's not all uh, living happily ever after. Life has realities. And we are thankful that in the middle of those realities, you do uh, show yourself strong. You do grace human hearts with joy, even while they may be experiencing uh, very painful situations. We thank you for that. And thank you for caring for us in that way. Again, Father, bless this assembly and each one present and continue to lead us on in our journey with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.